0: Welcome to episode two ninety of Panelology. I'm
1: Alex, and I'm Angela Bones Bullock. Here to stay, apparently.
0: <laughs> Here to stay, so it would seem.
1: <laughs> I don't mind. I I can talk comics all day.
0: That is helpful for me. <laughs> uh we are not we are not however going to talk about 40 year old rock bands
1: no 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 queen talk this this time
0: or or the latest pop app, pop performers introduced to us through tiktok
1: yeah <laughs> no no doja cat talk
0: <laughs> no um that's that look we can we can talk about that off off air <laughs> <laughs> uh, for now we're talking about comics yes. all comics all the time yes. batman number 118
1: <laughs> yeah let's just dive right in
0: <laughs> written by joshua Williamson, art by jorge molina and michelle Hanin, colors by Tomeo more and letters by clayton cowles a new era for batman
1: it is a, it's a
0: new creative team
1: yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting bruce can't relax uh all of gotham is partying and just of we're we're alive mode (laughs) just you know what i mean just like uh so everyone's everyone's partying was like yeah, you know scarecrow was locked up woo um uh then these guys attack a billionaire's party which like bruce is just like it's fine it's fine they didn't invite me it's fine
0: (laughs) i'm not a billionaire anymore i know
1: uh and the theme of the fucking party is Gotham Villains.
0: So we we get this great two page spread of everyone in their costumes. And my first thought was, Okay, well, I need to see how many Harley Quinns there are, because if it's anything like Dragon Con or any other convention, <laughs> there should be a lot of Harleys in the crowd there were like five or six it was a it was a reasonable number of harleys for a crowd of that size there
1: was a there there was a great at a breeze I, I think recent convention um somebody videotaped these two harleys uh interacting and they were kind of just saying in character in terms of their voice and and stuff um and so the one hands gum to the other and uh she's like but i want a bubble gum. Why'd you give me uh? Why'd you give me extra? And she's <laughs> the other Harley just goes, "Cause your breast stinks." <laughs> <laughs> it is just it like, it was just it was so in character for Harley. It's just kind of like uh, if, if like there was like a crisis on like Infinite Earths, like you know, two versions of Harley come together, felt it felt kind of like that. But of course, like two cosplayers,
0: um, I I am frankly shocked. That there is not a like all Harley Justice Incarnate. <laughs> Justin and Justice and Harlot, if you will. No, nope, no, nope, that sounds like Harlot at that point. Yeah. Never mind.
1: We well we do uh you know, we are kind of getting uh
0: Wait. Justice Quincarnate. Oh, there, there we, we go. go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, because we are getting kind of Justice Justice Quincarnate coming up uh with all those different uh uh Gwen Stacy's and uh, over in Marvel. uh, true but yeah i'm um, just making
0: note that that's our episode title carry (laughs) on
1: um glad we got that out of the way so fast um me too but yeah it's just it's uh so he he uh defeats the bad guys that are there after they reveal themselves there is this great shot because firefly is Behind like he's like the leader of the thugs that are disguised mm-hmm. in the costume party um it's it's a great scene where um uh firefly burns this guy that's in a killer croc costume and it ends up being Batman, of course, it's <laughs> like the reveal shot and then it cuts it, the reveal shot of that that it cuts to uh uh cuts to Firefly just going oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh because he earlier made a comment is like you know like I, I you know i've worked with i've worked with killer croc that didn't croc and then he burns away the costume and then it's batman and then yeah you know, it's like oh shit
0: <laughs> yeah it's a really fun issue yeah underscored by batman brooding because everyone he cares for is either dead or has their own life and has moved on
1: yeah Getting getting that uh getting that emptiness syndrome. I'm I'm guessing a little bit.
0: Bats in the cradle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that that Damn, is, that
0: also would have been a good episode title.
1: That song is also definitely fit for uh Bruce. Yeah. Uh, most evidently. <laughs> uh,
0: bats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy wonder and the man in the moon. <laughs> had to sneak in an extra syllable there but it it kind of
1: works i don't a know a little bit a little bit yeah. we
0: promised no music talk this yeah. episode
1: well no we didn't start it off we can veer
0: <laughs> okay okay save it for the tangents got it <laughs> uh and batman ends up taking his show on the road because he is sad and alone yes And goes to Europe to investigate a murder carried out by various former members of Batman Incorporated.
1: Uh, Who, under the investigation, he finds out, oh wait, they did really kill this guy. And then he turns around, and then Luthor is there, and he's, you know, in his his villain pose with his arms behind his back. And he's like, yes, I am protecting my investment. He's like, what?
0: uh because of course now that bruce wayne can't lex luthor is bankrolling batman incorporated
1: uh yeah i guess so. well do we want to use that little reveal as an opportunity to swing into the superman annual
0: actually you know what i am here for that because uh this is this is how lex got his groove back yeah <laughs> uh written by Tom Taylor with art by Steve Pugh and Clayton Henry, colors by romulo fayardo Jr. and Steve Bucciolato, and letters by Dave Sharp.
1: Uh it's a Tom Taylor Superman issue, so it's great, just up top. Uh I guess the I guess the basis of it would be you see like one of the first interactions between Clark and Lex. And then you see um, uh, John get a crystal for the cave, since Superman's ca- Superman moved his cave, I guess, into the Bermuda Triangle. But I guess uh, yes. ca- uh, John gets the old one in the, the Antarctic. Uh, I, my guess. I guess
0: that's the case, although...
1: Because he finds a polar bear and names it Gale.
0: Yes, which <coughs> which makes me very happy. Yes. honestly. honestly. Um,
1: she uh, and, and Gail Simone knows about it. She tweeted. She tweeted about it. Like, incredible! Yeah, she finds out about it. Uh, it was great.
0: can I I don't know what the deal is right now with the fortress because the one in the Arctic had been destroyed, so Superman started a new one in the Bermuda Triangle.
1: Oh yeah, that's right
0: and i don't know if they've rebuilt or i feel like i feel like at some point they might actually have literally picked up the 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 fortress from the triangle and just transplanted it back into the arctic yeah uh in any case it in any case it's in the arctic now or at least the one yeah that john is using is can i say how much i love the, the like jorel hologram of superman is literally just clark in jeans and a smallville t-shirt
1: yeah and he's got the glasses on too yeah just
0: it's like him and his just like most normal self
1: yeah uh it 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 does give me the uh lois superman and lois vibes of uh when he's coaching (laughs) when he's coaching um oh not jo- uh well no i guess john i forget uh blanking on the the other twins name in that show. jordan jordan yeah when he's coaching jordan and john uh when i say he's the equipment manager but he volunteers. yeah but he's still there and he's still very clark and very dad
0: i love that they named the other son jordan after jor
1: i never picked up on that till just now but it
0: is i think one of the most clever things that show has done
1: uh, it that, that 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 the first season was just solid top to bottom. There was so many great moments. Uh, my greatest overall moment, in my opinion, was uh the proof of concept that uh Joe Quesada is wrong—that very superheroes are boring, and and you can't have drama with with healthy families.
0: Yeah, I, I I've never understood that that take of Joe Quesada's. It doesn't it doesn't make sense for me any more than it made sense for me when in the new fifty two DC was like, no, no superhero marriages.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah, and then it's just like, <laughs> especially like it also just it's it's funny how how wrong like that because I, I think a slightly younger generation is kind of coming into writing these characters now. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, the superstars are, like, you know, maybe 10 years younger than, like, those guys that have now moved up to editorial.
0: Oh, at least, probably 20. I mean, Joe Quesada's been doing this stuff... A long time. ...20, 30 years. Tynan is, like, my age. Tynan's, like, 33, 34.
1: Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so it's just, like, uh, especially when they're, like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, uh we can't divorce spider-man because i would age him up too much and then like they show us a divorced spider-man and in, in uh in into the spider-verse and just everyone mm-hmm. went insane with how much they loved him
0: oh the the alternate universe married spider-man was so popular out so popular out of spider-verse that we got like twenty something issues of that reality as though the marriage had been allowed to happen and remain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh Yeah, it's just like insane how continually they've been they're proven to be wrong. It's like it just tell a good story is the you know, is the long and short of it.
0: Well, it's I feel like it's the other side of the tension you get with some of these older editors and publishers who don't like legacy characters like famously Dan Dio wanted to keep like Nightwing and Wally West and that group on the back burner and in a very like support role to the established characters. Yeah. And the people who are writing everything everything now at DC grew up on those characters and adore those characters. So instead we get newer, fresher feeling stories where some of the legacy characters have new things to do because they're dealing with what is my role and my legacy when these characters can do the day-to-day work and carry on the mantle
2: yeah
0: who am i and what do i have left and i think that's way more interesting and you can still tell the other stories for quote-unquote younger readers uh because i also think especially if you're talking direct market that that audience is not as young as it was 30 years ago If you look at trades and bookstores and all that, yes, that that brings the ages down, but it's way more complicated than just audiences will think characters are too old if they're married or divorced or have kids.
1: Yeah, um, it it is, it is an interesting, it is just an interesting phenomenon of, like... Yeah, like, not wanting legacy characters. uh, Or at least over at DC, Marvel has been embracing that for 15, 20 years. Just going ham on that.
0: Um, I mean, I feel like in this year alone, DC has opened the floodgates. Again, I think no coincidence that it's after DiDio left, and after uh, What's-His-Name, who was publisher, was replaced by Marie Javens.
1: Was it? No, because I thought didio didio and Jim Lee were co-publisher
0: okay then uh editor-in-chief yeah, then yeah. whoever was the editor-in-chief was replaced by javens um
1: because didio
0: th- stepped down at the beginning of 2020 uh the editor-in-chief was replaced at the end
1: uh the main thing that uh makes me remember was um a comment by the co-creator i'm blanking on his name right now but the co-creator uh not the co-creator, the creator of The Punisher, uh mm. talked about how he was just like, Yeah, sorry guys, like we uh my generation kinda ruined comics, like did this and did this Twitter thread about like how he at like fourteen took a tour of like the Marvel or DC offices and this writer um I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on who it was, but was like, uh, was just like, hey, um, and like asked him a question about, uh, or wanted to ask him a question. He was like, hey, kid, how old are you? He's like, oh, 14. He's like, eh, too old. And it's like, and then he goes back to writing, um, because like, the, like, even though like his generation was like, Oh, like comics are super, you know, super serial and like, you know, so adult and everything. It's like we wanted to be taken seriously, and uh, then as soon as they got power, they did all that. And like, you got some interesting stories, but then, like every underdog that then becomes the top dog, mm-hmm. uh, they kept acting like the underdog long after they had won. Um. And I think that's where you get, like, the Joe Quesada thing of, like, uh, no married Spider-Man or the Dan of thing, no legacy characters. Like, um, it's, it's still this reaction. And also then, like, all of the uh, dark, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, up and into the 2000s, of just, like, <clears throat> the depressing darkness of... Su- of superhero books overall
0: um this has reminded me of a uh quote i read from an or uh, an interview with grant morrison that happened recently talking about superman and the authority hmm. and they were asked why did you why did you agree to write superman again because they had said before like they had done their time on the book they were kind of done and apparently dan Didier went to them and said yeah it's the five, we want to do this
1: the 5g thing the
0: 5e whatever Uh uh-huh 5g yep we want to do this in the future and have an aged up superman and i think he'd be a right-wing authoritarian yeah and morrison was like i'm gonna agree to do this for you just to keep that from happening
1: yeah yeah. it's like if yeah you want my name on the book i know you do we are not doing that (laughs) yeah uh, I,
0: I I will write you Superman of the Authority, but it will not be a right-wing authoritarian Superman.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, that was also a fun book. Like, it was...
0: It was. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It sets up, I think, so much that is really exciting in, in action
1: comics. Um, uh, Alright, so I t- t- scrolled through her ungodly, thick Twitter feed, but I did find Gil Simone's reaction to being being called a polar bear. Uh, which the exact uh, the exact panel is um. Clark is saying, "What's been happening?" And John goes, "Uh, I saved a polar bear. I'm gonna call her Gail That's a fine name for a bear." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Gail Simone says, "I'm putting Tom uh, Tom Taylor in my next comic as a lump of kangaroo sluffer." <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh i love their friendship
1: yeah it's that's tom taylor and gail simone are how twitter should be used like if you if like if if you want to if you question yourself like should i tweet this it's what you should be asking yourself is would tom taylor or gail simone tweet it yeah um so uh so the hologram of clark is like all right uh, Luther up to some bullshit. I know he's starting up some bullshit, just stats wise. Like he's probably you know planted something. Um, yeah. And he says to John, he says, "Don't, he says, don't underestimate him, and like don't make the mistakes I did with him." Um, and John, we see we get a we get a, a another kind of a a mirror uh scene. Where we see Clark, uh, start to play chess with, um, Luthor, and then um, he's kind of just like you know like ah screw you Luthor like you're not gonna get away with anything, um, and then John, uh, st- like is invited by Lex Luthor to play chess, after Luthor buys a skyscraper. Calculates where and how tall to make a sign that says Luthor to cast a shadow over the daily planet. Yeah. Uh and then John goes over to politely ask him to remove the petty sign.
0: The best Luthor is theatrical
1: Luthor. Yes. Uh and so. Then Luthor is just like you want to play chess. Uh and then John uses his super speed to read all of the chess books in the public library, study all of Luthor's games, and then beats him in like three moves.
0: Yeah. Which <laughs> like I love this moment too, because this is set up as don't make the same mistakes I did. Luthor and I could have worked together, but I played it wrong. And so it's like John trying to meet him and play his game and show himself as an equal, I think, in a way. Yeah. But all it does is like piss off Luthor because now he's lost to this kid.
1: Yeah. As- oh, so- and then what I love is is that uh earlier in an attack, the L in Luthor gets uh blown up and falls, right? Um, and so then, uh, John wins the game, and the stakes are now Luthor has to take the sign down. And so then John goes and gets the L that's still on the street, takes it up to the roof, and throws it at Luthor and says, Hey, Lex, take the L.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, like, I like that now Luthor is, uh, Making maneuvers to team up with someone else who has been giving John a hard time, because John like is just so sure of himself that that has put Luther off. Yeah, like the thing that it feels like is going to be John's biggest liability and like the thing he has to learn to manage is just sort of his own his own self-assurance, his own assurance that he he knows the right way to do
1: things. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because like it's. I mean, because also like with the 21st century super being the 21st century superman, which is what Tom Taylor says he wants him to be, which is like it's not, you know, it's not landlords and corrupt cops anymore like in 1938. Um, it's also those it's, things, I but mean, it's not only yeah, those yeah, things. It's not only those things, but then like he, because uh, I mean, like the reason he saves. The reason he saves Gail the Bear Uh is because and this really does happen, Gale the Bear was stuck on a, a small piece of ice in the middle of the ocean and like nowhere near land to uh get back to. Um and uh yeah, and that's because of climate change and you know, the polarized gaps melting. Um there is and, and I, I wonder where he will take this, just being, like, there is an assuredness in, uh, in John, which, like, a lot of people our age, a little bit younger, especially younger, are uh, have, which is, like, we absolutely know we are right. Like, we are on the right side. Um, I mean, it's, like, it's, I mean, it's hard to imagine, like, a, a like thinking about oh yeah like you know clean environment who really is against that like they'll say oh well i don't think we should regulate this or uh, they'll not say like i hate the environment don't boil everywhere it's like no one's gonna actually say that you know so it's where you get the clashes seems to be like what tom taylor is setting up between luthor and john which is like this smug punk ass kid who's making a little bit of waves thinks he can then thinks he knows everything and like tear down everything that I've made. Uh, oh, and
0: it's it's the difference between like I don't think John's wrong. I think John is right. Well, yeah. And I think John is it, like I think John is coming from a righteous place. Yeah. He just doesn't have the strategy yet. Yeah. He doesn't have the tact yet. Exactly. And like it's 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 like a superhero, a, a Superman who is a teenager, who actually has like a good moral compass, mm-hmm. is still going to face inexperience.
1: Yeah, it's you know, and what, that's
0: what I think is so smart about this.
1: You know what I just thought of the comparison is you had, um, uh, especially with the um Selma, uh, the the Selma organizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had, uh, of course, Dr. King went down there and, but Snake had already been down there for a while, uh, mainly led by Stokely Carmichael and John Lewis, um, a young, like 22 year old John Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, and King comes in with his trying and true strategies. And like, by this point, you know, he had, it's, I. T- Approximately 10 years after uh, the um, Alabama bus boycott. Uh, So, like, you know, he's tried and true, he's been on the battlefield. At Stokely, that's when, around, this is around the time when Stokely gets kind of starts to get disillusioned with um, the nonviolent part of uh, Dr. King's uh, strategy, Mm -hmm. um, which was actually very key in Selma because, uh, he, (laughs) this is what makes King really radical. He knew they were going to get their shit kicked in, but as such, he made sure cameras were there, uh, and like knew that there was going to be a big news splash about it and wanted the news splash because that's when a bunch of, uh, like Jewish rabbis and like white pastors, uh all organized their people and all went down to Selma and marched with Dr. King and their crew to create that solidarity, to like have that wake up call. Um <laughs> but Stokely wasn't here, did it just like you so you just wanted to get like, sit back and get our asses beat. And just like n- n- no. Just kind of that that conflict of two yeah. of, like you said, experience and inexperience, both on the right side. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's uh, your, your daily history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and on that, do we want to switch to another Tom Taylor book?
1: Yes, let's.
0: Dark Knights of Steel, number two. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Yasmin Putri, Colors by Arif Prianto and letters by Wes Abbott. One, two princes stand before you.
1: This is uh, equally bonkers as the first issue, (laughs) in my opinion. Um, So King Jeffrey, who is uh, Black Lightning, like he does, uh, he kind of rules the magical kingdom, which the kingdom of El, of course, doesn't like magic because that's the one thing that can hurt them. Yep. uh so they've they've got a little authoritarian with locking idiot old magic up with no trial <laughs> um you get a nice you get a nice uh montage of them walking through the dungeons and to see all the people that are they got blue yeah. blue devil and uh detective the chip
0: <laughs> there's a flash in there
1: yeah. uh so word is you know now spreading that uh Joel has been murdered and they're like it's the green man uh king jeffrey sent the green man which is green lantern although we don't know which one cuz we haven't we seen his face um not john cuz i think we know he's lighter skinned from one of the shots like of like his forearm i think
0: i think that's right
1: um but uh, yeah. So then, word gets to uh the where this version of Supergirl uh is, which by the name is a totally is like a new character. Uh,
0: it was what Zala Jor
1: Yeah, something like that. Um.
0: Yep, Zala Jor
1: uh, who's dating Wonder Woman? Uh, apparently. So news get back, it's like, oh, your dad's been murdered. And she's like, Alright, I gotta go. Uh you know, Diana gives her a, a consolidating goodbye kiss before she leaves.
0: So for everyone who is complaining that Clark and Bruce were not <laughs> together in this,
1: <laughs> they, they- not only
0: are they brothers. <laughs> uh but clark's but
1: clark's little sister is is, is dating wonder woman
0: yeah <laughs> hey both of their sister she's both of their sister
1: yeah 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 that's true yeah that's true <laughs> um so then she goes the next we see her she is apparently flown off not home but to king jeffrey's kingdom and then murders his son in front of her.
0: Yeah, there was a an arc to this issue that was me going, "Huh, I'm not used to Black Lightning having a son." Oh, that's cool. He can make it rain. Okay. Oh, I guess that's why I'm not used to him having a son.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, oh, just like, uh, just like, and like, not even like even like, it's in a not a brutal way but a sadistic way because she flies him up real high and black lightning like does his lightning to her and she's just like it tickles and she doesn't like you know rip him apart or anything gory like that she just lets go yeah and just (laughs) again with with Jeffrey watching. <laughs> just, like, she knows that he is now watching. He's like, all right, now's the time. And just drops yeah. his ass. End of issue. Like, <laughs>
0: any, any hope, any hope that these two kingdoms would not go to war is now gone.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Because, like, you have, you have all the Themiscarans being like, oh, please do not let this war we've been trying to avert for centuries happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got Constantine, who made the prophecy in the first place as a kid, trying to tell tell king jeffrey like you know you, you don't have to go down this road down this road prophecies don't always mean what you think and yeah often it's the trying to avoid them that makes them come to bear yeah
1: and it's you can
0: just not have murdered JorEl. yeah
1: yeah and it's like uh it's like, hmm, i don't want to go to war so let me kill the head of the, the kingdom that's a great way to not go to war Uh, (laughs) it's like what is it in uh the harley quinn show uh the queen of fables you you got you gotta kill the whole bloodline you got yeah (laughs) i will forever and always love that line especially considering the fact that it's delivered by wanda sykes
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love wanda sykes also speaking of harley quinn how is she the best character of this already
1: uh, I did, well, I think Tom Taylor's, like, got his, uh, got it, it stretched his legs. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming, like, I've seen only clips of it, but, like, of, uh, from Injustice. Like, he really that's true. likes he, Harley Quinn.
0: He does, he has always written a very good Harley. Like, I know that's partly the answer, but also, she's so good in this, and she gets, like, a scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh. Because there's, I mean, there's a lot going on there. Because, uh, like, you're seeing everyone's reactions. Uh, Bruce has not revealed to anybody else what he figured out at the end of issue one yet. Um,
0: no, and Clark keeps cutting it up. being I mean, you're not part of this family. Yeah. yeah. You don't get a say.
1: He's like, mm-hmm. all right, let's just keep it this way. Like, <laughs> it's like, there's...
0: Bruce of course blames himself and must now seek vengeance so yeah. you know on brand yeah
1: which he then uh, <laughs> there is an amazing scene i love this scene where um they're interrogating green arrow uh and uh bruce is trying to tar- talk Clark down uh from like you know just ripping this dude apart Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he gets down there, and then Clark looks over at Bruce and is like, "I'm gonna assume that when you first found him, he had two arms, and you're gonna lecture me like about anger." <laughs> uh, because yeah, uh, when he captures him, he uh cuts off his arm.
0: <laughs> he he disarms him. Uh,
1: he does. He does disarm him after I melting his. <laughs> his arrow that he fired at him
0: well and as it turns out like you, you can you can sword fight one handed one-handed archery not really a thing
1: i will say i did like that uh exploration in <laughs> in um dark knight rises because Ali also lost his arm there by superman that's in fair that
0: one. I guess he could get a crossbow. It's medieval. He could have a crossbow. He
1: could, although that's although that you definitely can't do that one. One you can't load it one handed because like well that's the, true. the tension on that like you, like anyway.
0: Okay, he finds himself an artificer <laughs> and has him design like a a a an automatic an automatic crossbow. It's like a barrel that loads the arrows?
1: Now that, I will say, uh, is possible. I know
0: nothing about crossbows. Oh, okay.
1: Because there was a, um, uh, an ancient Chinese design that was essentially a Gatling gun crossbow, where you you cranked, and it would pull the string back, and then the arrow would drop in, and then boom, would fire, and then you'd keep cranking, and then... It, uh so that 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 is uh IRL that did happen
0: there we go trick arrow crossbow uh green lantern number 9
1: uh shiggin weird <laughs> uh john john Seward's a god now may may maybe
0: if someone asks you if you're a god say yes john <laughs>
1: uh although i can see why he doesn't want to answer yes because he doesn't call him a god he keeps saying you ascended and it's like the the implications of that verbiage is a little 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 high and mighty little
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it could mean any number of things and we the reader don't know exactly what yet um but also like john believes all the new gods are just aliens with superpowers so he he may not necessarily believe in gods as a thing anyway
1: although within the dc universe it has been proven that uh all of the pantheons exist yes one um
0: my one of my favorite gags during uh the new 52 in the sort of dark editorial office I forget which book it was. It might have been Phantom Stranger. Um, the Christian god would occasionally show up mm. and would talk through, like, a terrier.
1: <laughs> All right, fair enough.
0: I forget what they call him officially. He's, like, the Entity or Providence or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that sounds about right. Providence yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. I, I do love... um. But yeah, so it's like, are they, like, are they gods, or are they, I mean, yeah, are they are possibly a different kind of section of being, because, like, he talking about, like, any amount of energy can sustain you, where, like, as a Green Lantern, you are only drawing upon one, like, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh. He's also being very cryptic, and John just keeps yelling at him. Stop being a cryptic asshole! Just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like we've gotten the the sort of B or C tier, like really, really overly dramatic bored new gods who are just all they have to do to pass the time is bicker with each other because they never get pulled into anyone else's shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and then he, uh. And so, like, right before he ascends, John gets pulled into the past. Like, a billion years in the past, where, like, the Guardians are just Owens. And, like, for some reason, Owa is be- halfway between <laughs> New Genesis and Apocalypse. And Darkseid isn't even Darkseid yet, also.
0: Oh, I think that's Darkseid's dad.
1: That's Darkseid's dad?
0: i think that's Darkseid's dad oh, okay because the queen was Darkseid's mom.
1: mom oh, okay uh shows you how, <laughs> how much i know about the new gods uh i was kind of mad it's like why did they thin up again uh like canonically big character and granny goodness but it's like oh this is like a billion years ago so like that's why <laughs> Like yeah. this is a young this is a young hot new granny goodness. It's
0: uh yeah. It's 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 Granny Goodness begins.
1: Yeah, it, st- it still looks like Elizabeth Warren for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh if it were Elizabeth Warren, Dark Side would have won already. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because I think for some whatever reason, Darkseid kind of uh, surrounds himself with uh, dumbass yes men, like the just the competency of Elizabeth Warren in <laughs> in uh, executive I tasks.
0: I don't know if you read the six issue Female Furies mini series that came out a couple of years ago. I did not. It's very good, and it's mostly about exactly that <laughs> granny goodness dealing with the po- the politics of. Dark side being surrounded by incompetent yes men yep
1: yeah and she's uh she's the only she's the only one that's safe with any everyone of confidence yep <laughs> uh. uh but yeah so oh, and then we cut back to the Owen storyline where um it's revealed feel that the guardian that got killed in issue one um that was part of his plan like he got killed the magic that killed him like changed his body that is what blew up the power battery when they put his body in it um and now he's a giant magic demon
0: yeah <laughs> with it looks like maybe some connection to the same stuff that the light bringer is made out of
1: possibly yeah because that's what john that's what's john fight that, that is who john is fighting right now yeah um so yeah it's uh, a lot of a lot of weird stuff i have a feeling the next three issues are going to be building up to some pretty crazy stuff until like 12 when like this I'm guessing the storyline wraps up for now.
0: Yeah, I... We're dancing around what we saw in Future State. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is... Because every, like, book or line of books has played it a little differently. For some, Future State happened, and then someone came back in time to avoid it. For some books, it's like, this was a possible future, and parts of it happened, but we've avoided the worst of it, and are moving past it. Green Lantern it feels like all the pieces are there and maybe like all the pieces are there in a different formulation or maybe we might still see some version of that. Um because eventually in future state the the big bad who John has to deal with is Orion of New Genesis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which like yeah cuz then cuz the yeah, cuz the the new gods are starting to screw around and like apparently in this war a billion years ago is when the owens before they became the guardians decided all right well um magic is some bullshit so we are going to eradicate it from the universe <laughs> and yeah and uh kind of genocided magic by obliterating half of it i believe
0: i i like the conversation that uh whatever the the new god who is playing tour guide through history to john is called makes about how basically if the owens were actually better at their job they would have been elevated to lords of order by now
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's just like yes yeah, so he's what did he call he's like so yeah like the petty but yeah it's just like the petty assholes or something like i mean he doesn't use that verbiage but essentially yeah. he's just like yeah the petty assholes don't want to evolve the, st- the stubborn bastards uh because yeah like in terms of like the the amount of power they have the amount of knowledge but they don't want to change and that's what's prevented them from ascending however john currently has which we're also not entirely sure how he did because like uh it's kind of christmas carol rules where like they're technically in the past but he's like all right stay near me and they won't see you and like there's gonna be no paradoxes because like I can get around paradoxes because yeah, my power I am the God of travel yeah, yeah, so he's like, don't worry about it as long as you stay near me, <laughs> uh, but then the guardians get attacked by uh because they're trying to broker truce with New Genesis, and that is when Apocalypse is like, all right. They're distracted with peace talks. Let's kill them all. And the guardians start getting attacked, and Ganthit is one of them, uh, who John is close to, I guess. And so he's like, "Oh shit, Ganthit's get you know about to die." So he leaves away from the uh, from the new guy. He's like, "Or oh, you could do that." <laughs> this is what he literally says. He's like, oh, "You could just go do that." Um, John starts fighting the uh, apocalypsians. Uh, Let's call them that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Starts fighting them. Gets shot. And you think he's dead, but then he turns green and then gets a new suit in the modern day. Once they pop back. like He gets shot. He's like, oh shit, I'm green. They pop back into the modern day. And is now, uh, has a new suit and has Green Lantern powers again.
0: I, I love how weird this book is. Mm -hmm. I never would have guessed this book would get anywhere near as weird as it has. And I am so here for more of
1: it. Yeah. And, And it's, it's a weird that is a little bit more... I don't say this in a bad way. It is less, so far, less heady than Morrison's mm-hmm. run, because Morrison was the previous writer. Morrison, but yeah. Morrison was very was very weird, but also like could get very heady. Uh, this is
0: this is weird in a, and I'm sure there are hooks here for like longtime Green Lantern readers, which I am not. Um, like. Long time, I mean, going back to the 70s and 80s. Yeah. But this is weird from a... No, it's, like, about magic and the cosmic hierarchy and, like, connections between what fuels the power battery and gym world or something. Like, we have not talked about Joe Malane being attacked by fairies in this issue, but that is also a thing that happens.
1: Yes, yeah, that, uh, that does.
0: Like, she is... She is dealing with the fey
1: folk? Yeah, yeah. She... She did, she did a Star Trek thing where if she was just like... uh, She was like, Shields 200%. Shields 300. Shields 500. Like, the fey just keep... And I think may or may not eat her energy because she, like, totally goes regular yeah. looking. In fact, to the point of an entirely different hairstyle. Like, she said...
0: Well, her... Her ring is different, uh-huh. and they haven't really explained the rules of her ring in this book.
1: Yeah, a little bit in this issue, a little bit this issue or last issue. They it did, must have been the last, I think one. the last issue. We did get a little bit about it where she says, I don't have to go to a power battery to recharge, I use up my energy and then just wait for it to refill.
0: Okay cool yeah then i guess we do have what we do. i had forgotten that the, the last issue did explain uh well that okay. part
1: but like i said it's like yeah. she so like when she gets attacked by the fairies and then
0: it may just be she like burnt out all the energy in her ring yeah. in in all that. yeah
1: which uh of course her costume goes away which is regular but like also she gets dreads instead of the high top fade type hairstyle she was get she had uh she has she has braids now with like brown hair instead of black so it's a so it's a, kind of a major physical change or well, not major but like, yeah uh definitely more than usual than we see with a ring
0: yeah yeah we and like there is some amount of reality warping happening and whatever she was going through, so who knows like what the next issue is for her. Mm-hmm one star squadron oh we never read out the the team for that book that's written by jeffrey thorne with art by tom rainey marco santucci and maria laura san sanapo uh colors are by michael atia and letters are by rob lee uh one star squadron number one six issue miniseries written by mark russell with art by steve lieber colors by dave stewart and letters by dave sharp I feel like there are kind of two modes of Mark Russell satire. Hmm. I feel like there's the broad social satire that is a little more comedic and only sometimes existentially sad in a general sense. Hmm. And then there is the Mark Russell satire that is about a specific thing and a little less outwardly comedic and more personal, and is exceedingly, uh, 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 existentially sad. (laughs) The first might be Flintstones, the second might be Snagglepuss.
1: I I still need to read those. I've heard such good things about (sighs) those.
0: They're both incredible. They are both incredible. Um... This falls more into the Snagglepuss category of being just heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: that—that's—that's
1: um, well, that's about him being. Uh, I, I know the the elevator pitch of that book is Snagglepuss is a famous playwright who is a closeted a uh, closeted gay man in nineteen fifties New York.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's basically what if Snagglepuss were Tennessee Williams?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's about his being closeted and trying to have friendships and relationships with other, other Hanna Barbera characters who are either also in the closet or out, or uh, Quick Draw McGraw, who's a cop and is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> like. Around the time of the Red Scare and all of that sort of thing. Like, it all all bu- builds together. Um, this is about Red Tornado.
2: Uh-huh.
0: One Star Squadron. Who is sort of the manager of, like, a temp agency, almost? For superheroes who are not very good or useful at what they do.
1: So and oh, I'm sorry. Continue. I have a...
0: The the jobs range from anything from like children's birthday party appearances to people will submit requests on an app for just like come help with this really petty thing. It's
1: cameo for superheroes. I'm yeah.
0: I think I think one of the one of the revenue paths is actually cameo. Yes. Because there's a joke about how this is not an escort service. <laughs> in, like, the commercial.
1: Oh my god. It's like...
0: And... You you, you have kind of two, two beats to this. Like, this issue's arc, it, it starts with... Two attendees in either like an ER or a retirement home or something like that. Uh it must be an ER. It must be an ER. Um They've got this old former superhero who they need to release, so they're like, Well, we'll just drop him off at this place and they'll have to deal with it. No, oh, yeah. So like he turns up and Red Tornado has to like Try to figure out who he is and does he have any family? What was his last place of address? And he's just so forget because his whole thing was like headbutting
1: people. Oh, uh, so just brain damage.
0: So he has so much traumatic brain injury that no one wants to claim him, and like he barely can remember who he is, and like it is wildly sad in that regard. Yep. But the, the, it seems like the arc for this miniseries as a whole is going to be around Red Tornado having to answer the question like, you used to be someone and have so much potential, and now here you are, middle management in this, like, crappy venture capitalist backed fund or, uh, corporation that is, like, just sucking the life out of everyone. Yep. Supergirl is like his second in, not Supergirl. Power Girl is like his second in command, oh, okay. and the issue ends with like the venture capitalists who pull the strings, positioning her to like take his place running it. Mm-hmm. It's not a happy book, but it's funny
1: sometimes. Yeah, it 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 uh. Cameo cameo or no no not cameo. What is it? Uh five fiver? Fiver? Is it not just yeah, fiver. Fiverr yeah. for superheroes.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean
1: That's a. I I do love it when like super superhero writers take modern stuff like that. It's just like okay, like because like it you can do like my thing with fiction is allowing yourself a distance from the world to examine the worlds to examine mm-hmm. the real world, so like yeah, like uh you know anyone that like actually does f- like fiber for a living or uh like I can't imagine that most of them feel good about that. <laughs> Uh
0: I mean it's it's the whole problem with the gig economy in the first yeah. place there's no safety net there are no benefits it's literally like forcing you to turn any side hustle you have into a revenue stream any hobby you have into a revenue stream
1: Yeah well I mean it also I mean shit I mean kind of what we're doing I mean like we're you know it's I mean we're not professional podcasters but like that's why um I forget his name um but Scott Ackerman and, uh, another comedian that is on, um, Comedy Bang Bang all the time. He was on The League. Uh, he played, um, the brother of, uh, the mean one on, uh, uh, I shouldn't say the mean one, but the, the gruff one on, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh. If you saw a picture, you would know. But anyway, yeah. he um he's on Comedy Bang Bang all the time and he's close friends with Scott Ackerman, like at IRL. Uh and <laughs> and every once in a while on Comedy Bang Bang, they like tease the audience about uh talking about comic books. Cause they both love comic books. Um he played uh the blow up guy on uh Invincible. Um also forgetting that character's name. Good lord. But
0: uh So the the I I am bad at watching anything ever, so I'm the worst person to try to pull you out of this hole.
1: But the 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 character You're the not- character in Invincible that is essentially um uh that is essentially Jesus, I am terrible right now. Um, okay, X-Men, I am
0: pulling up. IMDb. I am
1: the. The X-Men that throws cards. Gambit? Gambit. He's essentially Gambit but, uh, in terms of power base and in invincible.
0: Rexplode?
1: Rexplode, yes. Jason Mansoukas. Jason Mansukas. Thank you i have my phone i do
0: i do like jason mansu yes
1: so so he's close with the scott Ackerman and they like tease each other te- uh tease the audience all the time of like oh like we're gonna start a, a you know like oh we're gonna start a, a a comic podcast but they've said in interviews like no we are never doing that because like because like we love comic books we love talking to each other about comic books in our friendship we are not monetizing that
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean like we started panelology the group of us who originally did because like we wanted to make sure we made time each week to hang out and talk and we are all the kind of a type weirdos who if we turn it into a project and put it on a calendar and schedule it we will do that as long as it's feasible yep. um but no one can ever accuse this show of making a profit <laughs> Not, cur- not currently, you, know, you can
1: keep your cr- fingers crossed. It's,
0: it's been two hundred and ninety episodes. I don't think. I don't think anyone can ever. I know what my weekly comic book budget is. <laughs> it will take a. It would. It it would take. It would take a long time to make this profitable. That's all, and that's fine. That's fine. I don't need everything to become a revenue stream. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, because then that's another thing of just, like, uh, yeah, like, even if you do put stuff out there, just kind of, like, being low-stakes, fun, like, of-the-moment stuff.
0: i like, I, I, I picked up mixology as a hobby. I say that, that sounds, like, I like, I like going to the farmer's market and seeing something that's in season and being like, okay, cool, what can I do with this in a cocktail? And, like, I'm pretty good at that, and I have had... Theater contacts be like, hey, do you want to come like guest bartend at the bar in this theater that I work at? And I'm like, no,
1: yeah. I do
0: this just for me. This is how I relax.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have just having like fifty dudes yell their orders at you, and you're just like, nope.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. It's it's a it's definitely an interesting line. And it, anyway, but the long story short is, um. Yeah, like using superheroes to, to to combat the gig economy sounds like a lot of like a really interesting.
0: It is. It's it's it is very Mark Russell. If you enjoy Mark Russell, you will will enjoy this. Um, just know it's a little more on the the like we'll put we'll punch you in the gut right away end of the Mark Russell spectrum. Mm-hmm.
1: We just passed the one hour mark. Just.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. I'm watching the clock. <laughs> The Swamp Thing, number 10. Written by Rom V, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Mike Spicer, and letters by Aditya Bidikar. What was once the series finale is now the end of the first season, and we'll take a brief break before the second season. But it is no longer the end. In fact, it does a lot of work setting things up.
1: Yeah, there's a... Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of shit there kind of going on in this one too. Um, so Swamp Thing, the new Swamp Thing and his brother get frozen by the uh, the company that um, Swamp Thing used to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, "All right, well, experiment failed." So we're just going to cold nuke the place <laughs> with pesticides slash nitroglycerin. not nitroglycerin, but nitro. Uh not nitroglycerin. It the cold nitrogen. Liquid liquid, liquid, nitrogen. Nitrogen. liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. That is yeah. the word I'm looking for. Uh I I am not wording good this evening. The it's people,
0: okay. It's not like there are microphones on us or okay. anything. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's not this is, recorded I, for posterity
0: i, I never word good at this point in the night so uh no. you're in good company
1: <laughs> um but yes and then like uh Swamp Thing's love interest uh mm-hmm. refresh my memory may or may not have ratted him out
0: I don't think she ratted him out. I think she like worked for the company and was offered offered lab space to study him and share findings with them and turned that down mm-hmm. but I don't think she ratted him out at least not intentionally yeah uh Jennifer something yeah
1: because yeah they couldn't they couldn't control the green, and then like they tried to fake the green, which ended up being his brother couldn't control him um and we see maybe them fuse together
0: yeah i'm not i'm not totally sure what happens there then because levi tries to save jacob Uh and we see like a body crawl out of the mass
1: which looks like a little like swamp thing but is brown which is the kind of color palette his brother was.
0: Yeah. So we don't we don't really know how that plays out. Like that's very much left up in the air. The other thing that is interesting here is uh well for one, Jason Woodruff is now in the equation and that never goes well for Swampy. Yeah.
1: Which like in his human but, form too.
0: Yeah. But we're introduced to kind of a change in the lore of the green and the various parliaments Mm -hmm. because it's always been the green the red the gray and sometimes you have like the black and the rot as separate entities from the gray Mm -hmm. like that's developed some distinction over the new 52 but the language from the name of the guy who's running prescott industries uh is about how he views Bless you. he views swamp thing and the green as an idea that has sort of developed its own will mm-hmm. and the the desert monster that we saw at the very beginning of this series woods posits is another one of these ideas that has gained its own power so it's almost as though it's opening the door for like, instead of it being a function of animal, vegetable, fungus, decay, or death, or again, whatever, whatever those distinctions that have evolved a little bit are, like, different biomes now could be getting in play here, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see where the story goes. But also, like, um, it is interesting, like, how much this Swamp Thing is keeping his humanity compared to Alec Mm -hmm. Holland.
0: Like, he more or less transforms...
1: Back and forth.
0: In this issue, in this issue at will... But definitely, like back and forth, which is not the norm for an avatar
1: uh but that also gives the uh artists to do the the classic swamp thing body horror mhm, uh, but of being these transformations like not quite horror, but like it's definitely weird of like the in between states of like going from human to swamp thing to back uh yeah yeah he's just going going wild with those uh those ideas
0: yeah it's i love this book i'm glad we're getting at least six more issues of it at least
1: i mean i think i would say i think we're gonna get at least a season three because uh they're probably going to do this in trade. That's going to be circulating until March. And then you have six months of that word of mouth. Uh, so I, I think we're getting to season three.
0: I think the limiting factor realistically is actually more how does Rom V feel about his schedule mm-hmm. than will the book sell? Yeah, Because he's actually stepped back from some books to make more time for creator-owned work as... As his, his, his name has become more recognizable over the last year in particular, uh, and his creator-owned work sells better and better. If you haven't gotten a chance to read The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, one of my favorite books of this year. Absolutely I,
1: especially when the last issue came out, I heard a bunch of praise for it. I definitely need to pick up the trade.
0: Yeah. um, It will be one of my top ten books for the year, I have no doubt. Um, but now that he's getting more and more opportunity, he's trying to be, and he's got a newborn child at home, yeah, um, so he's trying to manage his time, so I think he has said on Twitter that sixteen issues is a good place to stop and check in and see how the book is doing, how he's feeling like and I think it's fine like if if all he wants if all he feels like he should do is sixteen issues, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, but I will take as much as he wants to give me. Yeah. (laughs) The Amazing Spider-Man, number number 80, Point Beyblade. (laughs) Written by Cody Ziegler. Art by Ivan Fiorelli with Carlos Gomez and Paco Medina. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by Joe Caramagna.
1: So, just side note. I was in, uh... I was in mid elementary school, like third grade, when, um, third, fourth grade, when Beyblade first hit America. I'll never forget <laughs> these two kids were, uh, it was at recess, and these two kids were playing, and it was in the, the concrete, uh, gutter, uh, for, mm-hmm. for rain, rain gutter. Um, and, uh, So, there was an angle to it, right? So, you were using that angle and had, like, those, like, 25-cent bubble, those, like, plastic bubble machine toy... uh, Mm -hmm. Like, Like Gachapon? Yeah, yeah, like, Gachapon. But it's... uh, Because, like, ours aren't as high quality as that, where it's, like... Anyway, it's, like, one of those, like, 25-cent tops that you get in those types of machines, right? And so... (laughs) they had those tops and they were on the uh they were in the gutter using that as an arena uh using the angle as an arena and they literally said like let it rip and like did these like t- 25 <laughs> inches. <cheap-ass laughs> little... uh... anyway uh spider-man <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the further adventures uh, the further adventures of may parker and otto octavius
1: i want at least a mini series where aunt may is the man in the chair for otto and like while he's doing investigating whatever
0: i adore this Sold in the room
1: yes uh like may may is of the uh, is of the generation that takes compliments well uh and so (laughs) so this one great burn that she gives otto in this in in this book in this issue where she just goes how can a man with such terrible taste in haircuts have such great taste in decor? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, cause he's in a nice white suit, gives her this, uh, beautiful rose and is like charming her, you know, is, is schmooze talking her the entire time. uh, and it's yeah and it is great where she's like yeah she's like oh well thank you and like yeah just kind of kind of gets swept up in it uh <laughs> until otto just starts smacking dudes around <laughs> much later in the issue yeah
0: i really i really like otto when he exists in a gray area rather than just as villain
1: well i mean because like in theory his well not in theory like his origin is like he's this weird scientist uh doesn't get along with people very well and then like this accident happens to him and like may or may not get brain damage or just like you know if the wrong type of person gets powered then that affects them a certain way um so yeah, like all of those are up, you know, up in the air. Like I I did kind of like uh, I love the uh Sam Raimi auto which is uh
0: Alfred yeah, Molina.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Alfred Molina um who uh like is essentially just like at first you see it was just kind of uh, if Peter Parker uh did took took some english classes like took some took some humanities courses <laughs> uh, just a little bit just that little bit of extra charm and and well spokenness uh with his wife and everything and like you just kind of see like who peter could be if he like relaxed and relaxed more and um but then of course like that he gets semi taken over by <laughs> his his uh eldritch horror uh <laughs> Machine, um, which like whispers, you know, whispers in his ear and like makes him do those crimes. Uh, yeah. Uh, close. It probably probably tied. I love Elena but then of course, uh, live in into the Spider Verse.
0: Live is fantastic. I also really like the version of Doc Ock. Uh, well, the version of Otto Octavius, I should say. Who we see in the Sony Spider-Man video game. That,
1: that, that, yeah, no, that was also amazing. Um,
0: Second only to Finn from Miles Morales, and I will say nothing else about Finn, but Finn is the best.
1: <laughs> uh, I I do love the Sony Spider-Man version of, of Otto, because you, it's a little bit more tragic, like kind of on par with the tragedy of the Raimi version Mm-hmm. Because he, the reason he invents the arms and everything is because you later find out he has a degenerative nerve disorder. Yeah. Um, which I guess also, like, I mean, because Slot did consult on it. And this was after Superior. Because, yep. like, that's kind of the basis of Superior is that he just got the shit kicked in so much by Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> well, I'm like, actually, to to, like, his current status quo... Mm-hmm after all of the events of Slot's run, the Otto Octavius, who is alive now, actually is cured of all the the damage that had been done to him by Spider-Man and all of the... I think they did canonize the sort of neurological condition as well. I think it was either presented as a form of brain cancer or something pre-existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even that, because... Octavius's death in, in Slot's run was related to illness as well. um. But this version of Otto, I think, can live in that gray area a little more easily because canonically they've said, no, like, you get a fresh start in this way. So it's just what Otto does. And I think, like, having Otto in a place where he has to make these choices yeah, or, like, or May calls him out for being a uh awful and he's like, oh, I should dial it back right. I don't have to be that way.
1: Which and and then also like I do love the nod to slots run at the very end of the issue, uh, because May's called him out and everything, and he finds out who was behind the chemicals that hurt Peter, which, surprise, is the Beyond Corporation.
0: It's always the Beyond Corporation. Yeah,
1: and so uh, Otto's mad about that, because he's like, you sons of bitches. Well, one, he's mad at Peter. He's like, you idiot, you sold my shit. (laughs) 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 uh, But then two, also, like, Beyond abusing and, like, you know, disusing his, his, uh, his intellectual property. And so he's like, all right, Beyond... I will show you who is superior. And of course they put that in the in the logo font. In the red. Yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, there's a a possible return of <laughs> of superior Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. Well, our next book will maybe maybe bring into question what how how good Doc is Doc Ock is actually being. Mm. Uh Devil's Reign number one. Written by Chip Starsky, art by Marco Ciccetto, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by Clayton Cowles. So, this is sort of taking the place of the Daredevil ongoing right now. Which makes a lot of sense to me. One, it actually feels like if it's centered around anyone, it's actually more of a Wilson Fisk book than a Daredevil book. Mm. But it, it mostly functions functions as an ensemble story. Uh, Fisk and Daredevil are central figures in it, but so are Miles Morales and Captain America and Tony Stark and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And Moon Knight, who just <laughs> chefs kiss Moon Knight. Um I, I
1: do love that uh The one is sorry to interrupt you, but just the I the one thing that I love about the MCU that has rippled into the comics. Is because of the shenanigans in the mid nineties that by the late nineties they had to sell off all of the movie rights to their characters, mm-hmm. uh all of their big characters. Um that is why when the MCU started they used Iron Man who yeah. was popular but like not Spider Man popular. Um no. And so, because of that, they have been much more willing in the comics, and then into the movies, of just digging up, like, C, D, E-list characters uh from throughout their history. Because, like, Moon Knight hasn't really been a force for a very long time.
0: No, well, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, like... Yeah. The fact that we have so normalized it in the public consciousness when, like... With one trailer! Hardcore...
1: With one trailer!
0: Hardcore... (laughs) Hardcore comics folks didn't know Guardians of the Galaxy super well, necessarily. Yeah, I didn't. Before that I didn't.
1: And then that... I I remember when that trailer dropped... In fact, I was working at the movie theaters. At a movie theater when that trailer dropped. And just, like, everyone lost their mind off of only the trailer... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we live in a world where we're getting a Moon Knight TV series. It is as though it is as though a much younger version of myself willed it into existence, yeah.
1: which with one of the top actors on the planet, like one of the most popular actors yeah. on the planet. Uh,
0: um, but Devil's Reign, Devil's yeah, Reign. Yeah. I want to come back to this, so. I'm going to leave some gaps around here for anyone who's maybe not caught up on Daredevil. But the inciting incident here is that Wilson Fisk has realized he wants new Daredevil's secret identity and no longer does. And he's pissed off that Daredevil has messed with his mind. So he outlaws costumed vigilantes and superpowers in New York.
1: I can't imagine that that would publicly go over that well. I- it goes over better
0: than you'd expect in the book because he, he actually, I mean, the point he makes is a very like, from a politics posturing standpoint, it's a very reasonable sounding, to use the Colbert word, it's a very truthy <laughs> argument.
1: Yeah, the word, yeah.
0: Um, Basically, he says, look, I have it on good authority that you know all of those slimy black aliens that rained down on us recently? Spider-Man brought their kind to our Earth. You know how the world was nearly destroyed by dark elves? They attacked because we let Thor come here.
2: Yeah.
1: Which...
0: And, like, that's enough. That's enough that... He gets some support.
1: Which, uh, which... Uh,
0: He also deputizes supervillains as Thunderbolt officers oh, yeah, of course. to come in and crack skulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gets into police brutality and all that.
1: Uh, it's, although, it's funny that he uses the Thor argument when, like... I'm pretty sure that it is in common knowledge by this point in the uh, Marvel Universe that, Oh, this is the literal Thor, like, of Uh, um, of Norse mythology that, like, people used to worship and he's, like, 20,000 years old. (laughs) Like, like, using him as an excuse, like, oh yeah, the Dark Elves and it's like, "Mm, okay, are you gonna blame are you gonna blame uh, the hurricane for flooding New York? Like, (laughs) I...
0: I never said that Wilson Fisk's arguments hold up to reasonable scrutiny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said they were truthy. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. It just
0: they they have they have the quality of sounding factual.
1: Yeah. I, I well, and then I also I just find it interesting because like currently the uh, um I'm really loving the Thor ongoing right now because it it's mm-hmm. like one of the first times that I have read Thor that he feels like a god like he feels like a yeah. different form of a being yeah um, which uh i really like but like there is also some humanity to him uh in in those things where like there was one issue that i really liked where he was talking about uh the reason he is so present when like there, he's just hanging out with the Avengers. Not even necessarily in battle, but just like hanging out, grabbing beers, all that different stuff. It's because like he has been around for so long that he has actually forgotten a lot of his friends that have mm-hmm. just like died, you know, like five thousand years ago, and it's just exited his memory. <laughs> like he's yeah, like not out of any malice, just just of the fact of just living that long right Uh, anyway we're talking about Uh, couple of couple
0: of highlights here um i love the way chip writes captain america in this issue i would 100% read chip on a captain america ongoing i also really like the way he writes and uses luke cage here And this issue kind of sets up Tony Stark to challenge Fisk for governor of New York, or mayor of New York, rather. He's the mayor of the city. Um, That's
1: it. Not much.
0: But (laughs) I'll I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Like, after this issue, there's a part of me that's like, no, they need to run Luke Cage. Tony is mayor of New York. Like, that's fine, I would read that book. But Luke Cage as mayor of New York, I need that
1: book. I, I, I am now just thinking of uh just Luke Cage with Obama vibes. Like if like if like if Obama <laughs> had a pinachable skin. <laughs> which in ter- which in terms uh. of jokes. or not even jokes. I I fit no. You know what? No. I I will stand by this comparison that Obama in reality is Luke Cage cuz like the the man that the stuff that was thrown at that man, he does have impenetrable skin just like
0: Yeah. <laughs> I will allow the metaphor. Uh, but no, this, this book was great. I should also say like gorgeous Chichetto and Maniz have done a lot of the art for Zdarsky's daredevil run, but there's something about this. I don't know if just they were given a little more lead time or Maniz has picked a slightly different palette. This actually even kind of stands out above a little bit above the, the daredevil work they've done together. It's a really great looking book.
1: Some of the promo All art right. I really liked. Like, I, I really love Electra's design as Daredevil.
0: Electra's design is incredible. I love this Electra costume. Uh, let's talk about Fantastic Four, Life Story Number 5. Written by Mark Russell, with art by Shauna Zaxa, with Carlos Magno. Colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by Joe Caramagna.
1: Where, uh, the issue begins with everyone's sad. Because Johnny Storm just died.
0: <laughs> I think that was four.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. This this issue opens with them visiting the, his grave, like three years. Oh, later. okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Last, yeah, last yeah. issue, Johnny Storm dies after absorbing a nuclear bomb into his body.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh.
1: God, that was the last issue was great. This one was great too. Just the, bru- like, <laughs> the entirety of this, like, the, the of this issue is um, the Silver Surfer shows up, and it's like, "Hey, y'all got ten years to live." Bye. <laughs> uh, cause the planetary defense system that that uh, Reed has been working decades to set up is obliterated in an instant by the surfer. Yep. Uh, And then he goes to the UN and says, Galactus will be here in 10 years. Get your stuff, you know, make your peace, is what he says. says, Make your peace, you have 10 years. Um. And then uh, we see Reed kind of uh, finally, for once in his life, live his life.
0: Uh, Yeah. After the surfer makes him an offer.
1: Yes, the surfer does make him an offer, which is, hey, I'm thousands of years old, so I'm about to die. Uh, He's looking for a new herald, which he wants you so, like, if you say yes, Earth is saved. Uh, Reed tells him to go fuck himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is accurate. Yeah, and this is uh, with four years left on the clock. Like they yeah. they talk about how many years are left, and there's even like a countdown clock <laughs> in Times Square.
0: And there's one of the in, in Doomstock, too. Yeah, yeah,
1: there is. Um, which that is uh, which also in this issue we find. Oh, well, no, in the previous issue, uh, doomstock uh, Doctor Doom, and the Mad Thinker, their brilliant plan is like, all right, the only way to save the Earth is to destroy it, because then Galactus won't want to eat us, because it'll make. Because we won't be tasty, I guess.
0: Now Doom's plan is hear me out. Yeah. Put me in charge. Yeah. I will provide Galactus on an ongoing schedule.
1: 500 energy million to million people a year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Doom Doom basically tries to sell Galactus on an MLM. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, it, uh in terms of the numbers it has about just as much chance of exceeding um yeah yeah It's. Sh- yeah do- yeah doom is still dooming in terms of like just coming up with the worst plans <laughs> just...
0: absolutely <laughs> worst <laughs> oh um
1: but then uh the fantastic four the fantastic four and one thing oh well there's one thing though, is that um Ben in this issue meets this version of Alicia finally, which is very sweet. Um and so like everyone's kind of like li- like starting to actually live their lives because they <laughs> they know they're about to die. <laughs> uh, yeah. and um and Reed even says like when like the silver server's like, alright, it's you know, it's doomsday. Um and then Reed's just like, you know, I was finally just living. And Reed almost <laughs> becomes the Herald. Uh, he says, alright, I'll do that. Um, but then they pull a Fantastic Four with a switcheroo, where Franklin with his uh uh helmet that ha- with his tiara that helps focus his powers given to him by his brother-in-law who is T'Challa. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um,
0: another detail I love from yeah, this yeah, book. Yeah, yeah,
1: It's like, because yeah, yeah, it's not Shuri. I guess it's another supposed to be another sister that he has. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Franklin Richards is, ma- is married to to T'Challa's little sister. Um, and so they pull a switcheroo where instead of Reed going up into space and meeting Galactus, it's Franklin. And then they just kind of like overload Galactus, and then Ben punches him in the face, <laughs> and they're just like, "We won, <laughs> we did it." <laughs> um, but that puts Reed in a comatose state. Uh, yeah, he's he uh, he a vegetable now, and I th- that leads into the last issue, which is next one uh yep. the 2010s which seems yeah.
0: seems like it will be the the fantastic four dealing with doom Wh- doom once and for all
1: yeah which like that'll be uh yeah it's definitely uh it's th- this is a really good kind of different look at the fantastic four yeah. uh
0: did you ever get to read the the spider-man life story series I heard
1: great things for some reason i never have
0: I really recommend it. It's the same setup. It's each issue is a decade. It's kind of reconciling all of their all of Spider-Man's continuity into one story where he ages in real time. Uh, Chip Zdarsky wrote it. It's if you enjoy this, you'll enjoy it for sure. Yeah. No question.
1: I also, for some reason, have only read long time ago only one, maybe two, of a. Uh... Jeff Loeb and Tim Sayles uh color series. where oh, Sp- yeah. Spider Man Blue, Daredevil Black uh Daredevil Yellow. And um I just picked up because they have a... they just did a uh I-, I don't know if they're gonna do a full graphic novel again, but they did just release that long Halloween special mm-hmm. um which I picked up and then I finally picked up the minis, the collection of the minis they did before Long Halloween and then Dark Victory, but they they gotcha. my store didn't have Long Halloween yet in stock. I think they're like doing another reprint of Long Halloween. I I just really love that team. Tim Sale, Jeff Lowe yeah. are like just that like their work together always sings. Uh, in my opinion. Whenever they're teaming up.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I have read any of it, but I've always heard it's good. Yeah. Um, Lunar Room Number One, our last book of the episode. Well, other than is it still good? Written by Danny Lore, art by Gio Spazito, colors by DJ Chavis, and letters by Ann Design. So this is this is a vault book, which automatically means it's good. Mm-hmm vault only publishes good books it's it's just a rule i don't make the (laughs) rules it's just a rule um very much like a taste of this world uh it it i am already ready for issue number two we meet a pair of characters uh one of whom is a former like mob enforcer and also former werewolf who has had both <laughs> of those both of those titles stripped from her um she is now like cursed so she can't transform, and also she got fired from her job sure. uh as well <laughs> like you do um as well as this kind of like in d and d terms rogue uh, uh this this thief named zack zero who has impersonated his twin brother to steal part of a glowy green knife and like shows up in the in the like underground fight club that that sin uh sin breaker the werewolf is hanging out in former werewolf is hanging out the, in
1: I, I just i just want to interject one moment twins replacing each other almost never last long because like i had that so i had this pair of twins my same age in uh uh in second grade and one of them one of them was in my class right one day they were like let's switch classes like let's just like like i'll go to your class you go to my class uh it lasted all of like two seconds Because when they were calling Roll, she wouldn't answer her sister's name. (sighs) See,
0: that's just bad planning. (laughs) I will say, in this case, it was not like a consensual plot between the twins. One was head of security for the place that Zack was breaking into. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it did not last long, you are correct. (laughs) But it was also like, only one of them was scheming. (laughs) um so so sin is in this underground fight club and is just getting absolutely razzed and taunted and committed to fight by these two just dumbasses who had answered to her in the past and who just hate her because quote i think i made one of them cry once i don't remember which one (laughs) um and conveniently like zach has been zach is there's like hey i could help you out like jabs her with this little shard of the knife and she partially transforms again and fights a little bit and then it wears off and like that's that's kind of the setup for going forward is what is this how can he give this back what does he want Mm. um it's this very cool world and and cool characters uh Danny Lore I know from they've done a bunch of like marvel backups and one shots actually the uh we didn't talk about it at length but the death of doctor strange blade one shot that came out this week they also wrote and it was so good mm. so good um I know them originally from another vault book called Queen of Bad Dreams that was about uh detectives who have to, or 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 investigators of some sort who are charged with tracking down dreams that escape from the dream world into the real world before they develop sentience and have to be allowed amnesty whoops and this like rich family trying to use their position of power to force one of these dreams who has developed sentience back mm. and basically destroy her um I'm a big fan of their writing. Like they do some really creative things. So, Vault
1: is like, I guess on the on the up, they're like what number five. So you have Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Image. Horse, Boom. So, like, I mean,
0: after after Image, I almost like split into two categories. I think you've got publishers who do more work for hire. Which is kind of where Dark Horse usually I mean, I guess I guess less and less lately. Dark Horse doesn't seem to do as much licensed. Vault I would still call small press. I don't know exactly where they where they rate in those rankings. I will tell you this. I buy almost every number one that Vault puts out, and I end up reading those series all the way through anywhere from a third to half of what they put out. Like by by percentage of my pull list, yeah. they usually live somewhere around image in terms of number of books I'm reading, if not higher. Okay. And they do not put out nearly the volume.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, like, there are no bad vault books, and if you are not super familiar with them, I will give you a list of stuff I love and would recommend any day of the week. Um, Most of their series tend to be either published as mini series or run two or three volumes. Their yeah. uh, they they're kind of one rule is they don't do superhero stories. They mostly do either fantasy or sci-fi. Yeah. Um
1: Which I mean like honestly like fair like image goes back and forth between yeah. superhero and not. Uh of course Marvel and DC that's pretty much exclusively all they do. Um, yeah,
0: but they're also really good about getting getting good representation in with creators. Yeah. um th- Few, if any, books that don't have queer rep, and a lot of rep across different different ethnicities. Um, and they just they put out such good work. I don't know. I do not know how they do it because I will find writers through them and artists through them who then take off in other places like how they how they scout and bring in new new talent is i swear it's magic it's just it's just magic well,
1: I see i'm in terms of that i'm kind of wondering nowadays like it kind of used to be well i mean i, I don't know because like, i mean in the 80s i know you had the black and white boom and i know there was some head hunting from the big two there or at least you know like then or they would spin off into image eventually once image got off the ground um i'm just wondering how much today is like is web comics um i mean gail simone was a blog (laughs) ran a blog And then she was asked to write The Simpsons Uh,
0: I mean, I think you're absolutely right that webcomics are a huge channel. I don't think that's where Vault is pulling from, mostly. Um, And I say that only because, like... I mean, I know Rom V because of his work for Vault. I know Dan Waters because of his work for Vault. Teenie Howard because of her work for Vault um and like etc cetera, etc cetera. danny lore magdalene de Viz- uh no magdalene de vasaggio is black mask um and like they end up a lot of these end up being creators whose work i follow and like i go back and collect other stuff that i might have missed before and i don't think they're from web comics i don't i I know that some of them, like, Dan Waters and Rom V, like, worked together out of the same sort of, like, co-working writer group in the UK. So some of it may have been, you know, introdu- introducing each other and helping each other get a foot in the door, which is a normal and fine yeah. thing. Um.
1: Yeah, that's... In terms of that... It, it
0: feels like just really good networking. Yeah, it- and really good outreach. In
1: terms of that, I feel like people say, like, oh, like, you know, so-and-so was so lucky. And it's like, I feel like it's luck is just casting a wide enough net until you catch the big fish.
0: Like, yeah. I mean, I it took me getting comfortable with reaching out to people I'd worked with before and saying, like, hey, I've got an opening on my calendar and would love to work together again, and actually seeking out work instead of waiting for it to yeah. come to me. It that is what it took for me to get into professional stage management. Yeah. It was only because I started asking for pro work because I got yes, I had done a lot of work and I knew people and like I had done good work and had earned that. But at the same time, like it still took asking <laughs> to get in the door there. Like and I think that's something to be normalized in art communities. Like nepotism cronyism, bad, but asking people
1: like, hey, you got work? Like, you know, you know, you know my stuff. Yeah. Uh, It's been, it's been, it's been like five, six years probably since I've read it, but uh, did you ever read Amanda Palmer's The Art of Asking?
0: I did not. I am familiar with it, but I have not read
1: it. It's, uh, I, that's, that's a big chunk of that. Um, essentially her form of asking was, like, her fans. Because, like, her... She was the f- first music Kickstarter to exceed a million dollars. Yeah. But that was after she had left a record deal. She got a bunch of shit for it. Because, like, oh, like, you have a record contract. Like, you left that and then go to Kickstarter and ask for handouts. Uh And she's essentially... The entire premise of the book and like her opinion on Kickstarter or Patreon is just like no, like it's oh, like it is okay to ask, like
0: uh, yeah. Now, asterisk, I do not feel good about Kickstarter going down the blockchain road, but that's that's a that's a December twenty twenty one problem, <laughs> not anything, not anything that actually affects the context of what Amanda Palmer was yes. saying.
1: Yeah, and that's. I'm not even 100% sure why they're doing it, because, like, it...
0: Trendy buzzwords and venture capitalists.
1: It's, I mean... Yes, but it's still, like... I mean, I don't know. Because also, at the same time... um, I don't know. I guess trigger warning? I'm going to talk about Trump for a second. But apparently, like, someone went into the book's the public books uh, and um content statement of his new media company which is valued which is valued <laughs> I know what you're
0: gonna talk yeah, about which is
1: valued at two billion dollars but then like you read the uh state like the business statement and it's like what the fuck is this? It's just empty copy pasted buzzwords and this is two billion dollars? What
0: here is the thing I will say, though. And this is not a defense of that asshole. Um I worked in business consultation for a, a while. Um And part of my duties included sometimes writing marketing copy. And a lot of my duties involved knowing what, like, competitors' marketing copies said. Let me tell you. Copy and pasting chunks of competitors' marketing copy is a norm in the business world, period. Especially for the things that you don't think anyone will actually read. And this is not to say it's okay. It's If I could, I would burn down the entire business and business consultation world. Because the amount of toxic bullshit that is normalized in pursuit of letting the assholes who run it continue to have money and power is staggering. I can do a tight 20 minutes on the pipeline from boys will be boys. And oh, that's just how people are in the locker room to insider trading and business fraud. Yeah. But that's not this show any more than a, than a tight 10 minutes on Queen.
1: <laughs> yeah all right all right so we got so we got a we got a pop music podcast we're we're doing, and then uh a, a business politics podcast so is that what's brewing now?
0: <laughs> I think you know what the podcast is just every episode who knows what it's gonna be <laughs> Listen at your own yeah, risk. Yeah, it's,
1: it's just whatever uh we're gonna call it what uh what grinds my gears.
0: Wait, that's a reference to something.
1: Family guy. (laughs) There's a there's a cutaway gag where like uh he where Peter has a bit on the local TV news and it's you know what grinds my gears.
0: Like parodying Andy Rooney or Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, is it still good? We are so close, so close to keeping this under two hours we can do it arkham city the order of the world number three uh as it turns out ghosts may be real a thing called truth number two uh in issue one we learned uh mag's backstory in this issue we learn oh shoot what's that character's name truth <laughs> <laughs> no, Dorian, but you were close. In this issue we learn Dorian's backstory and why the two of them start a road trip together. Uh the good Asian number 7. Things are not looking good for really anybody involved. It's the final act of a, going into the final act of a noir. Um, I'm trying very hard not to spoil this because I know you read it and didn't get to this issue. Yeah. Uh, let's just say, uh, 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 let's just say that this deals with the consequence of a lie?
1: Which, which one?
0: <laughs> when you understand, when you read it, you will know what I'm doing yes. with that.
1: All right.
0: There might be a pun. I might be hiding behind a pun. The death of Dr. Strange, Blade. Uh, Blade, who, for those of you who might not be caught up on the Avengers, is the Sheriff of Chernobyl, which is now just the the home nation of vampires in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Blade and Dracula team up to take down a psychic vampire who is causing trouble, despite the fact that they both hate each other. Uh, And... We realize just how good at politics Dracula actually is. Giant size black cat infinity score. Uh, this is the capstone on Jed McKay's black cat run, but also ties into the infinite destinies one shots that came out earlier this year. Uh, it does not wrap up that storyline, but we see, we, we learn what Felicia has been up to and why she has been trying to collect these Infinity Gem hosts. And we see uh, where Nighthawk and Nick Fury are in their attempts to keep each other from collecting them first. Um, Hellions number 18. This is the last issue of Hellions from what I can tell. Um, a couple of mutants get sent into the hole, and one mutant who we didn't think would get put on the list to be revived makes their return to the world of the living. Inferno number three, uh, we learn that Doug and Warlock are actually really good at spying, and that Mystique and Destiny are really good at kidnapping, torture, and murder.
1: So uh, nothing new.
0: There are some new things there. I am being coy.
1: <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking of, uh, just going through the list of all the people Mystique has kidnapped and murdered and tortured. Oh
0: well, you know what? You know what? Um, let's let's just say that they and Moira give Charles and Magneto a hand this week's books we have hecate's will number one from yolanda zanfordino who has uh written and lettered a thing called truth and alice in leatherland which are both books that i have dug and am currently digging uh this is about a Like, graffiti artist who is fed up with just their inability to affect change. So they're going to get out of the game. But first, they're going to stage a massive, elaborate scavenger hunt.
1: Okay.
0: It's supposed to be, like, art and trying to walk away from it and, like, how important it actually is to who a person is. I... Uh
1: uh I am looking forward to this next one, which is uh
0: Yes, tell me uh, about it.
1: Batgirls number one. So it is kind of spinning off of Fear State, where uh Babs kind of heads uh uh yeah, this like Batgirls syndicate that she has started with uh Stephanie and um I'm blanking on the other
0: Cassandra Kane.
1: Kane. Uh so like she's going to co- kind of continue her role as oracle and like be the the person in the chair for them and send them on missions. Um but also like it's going to be entirely new because uh her clock tower got blown up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there there's still the the, like, dark Oracle evil counterpart on the yes. loose from Future State, who they're going to have to yes, deal with. Yes,
1: they, yeah, they were uh, a big, a big part of uh, why Oracle couldn't be Oracle during Fear State. Um, because, yeah, they just hijacked everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. We have Demon Days Rising Storm number one. Oh, did we read out the team for Batgirls? Written by Becky Clunan and Michael W. Conrad. Art by Jorge Corona. And colors by Sarah Stern. Now, Demon Days Rising Storm number one. Which is the fourth part of the Demon Days series. Um, Written and drawn by Peach Momoko. With the English adaptation. uh, Written by Zach Davison. And letters by Ariana Marr. Uh, each of these chapters has kind of focused on a different character or sort of set of characters in this sort of folkloric Japanese inspired Marvel world. Um, this one focuses on Storm and Thor and their counterparts and how they fit into the story that's been going on about the the sort of... Uh, History and politics of this this group of oni. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and the last thing is uh, the Wonder Woman Afterworlds hardcover comes out, which is the collection of uh, this current era of Wonder Woman after she t- t- died in uh uh was it st- death, death metal. metal? There's a there's there's death metal. There's death heavy metal. There's the Dark Knights of Steel. There's is so much yeah. iron and <laughs> right now with the anyway, yeah. Um, it's a great uh, Afterworlds is a great storyline. Um, a lot of great stuff in there.
0: Introduces a solid romantic interest who is not Steve Correct.
1: Trevor. Correct. Uh. A hot person of color Viking.
0: <laughs> and if that's not what you're here for, Ratatosk, the adorable trickster squirrel.
1: That, which I was <laughs> I was he she ended up being cute. I was I was so waiting for just to stab Wonder Woman in the back.
0: Same <laughs> hard same i still kind of expect it eventually Uh,
1: yeah that is a possibility it's not like they've gone anywhere so yeah
0: all right that is it for today where can folks check out more of you
1: uh well my usual show is um uh fables and reflections uh which is also on Um. Right now, we're on a little holiday break, but we are recording a special holiday episode that will be dropping the 24th or 25th. Um, and then we'll be coming back in the new year uh, with um, the first five stories in Smoke and Mirrors, which is a short story collection by Neil Gaiman. Which, yeah, but <laughs> I guess I should say the premise uh, Fables and Reflections uh just looks at neil works by neil gaiman um and so the next one we're covering is the beginnings of uh smoke and mirrors
0: i continue to lobby for an episode about the biography of duran it's, duran
1: you you were you have not been the first to, to do that one which would that was
0: no i i actually think i was the first were,
1: uh maybe not to maybe yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. I,
0: I i got to jd yeah, early yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a. I know it's available digitally, and it is, it was his very first published book, um, which JD sent me the the opening the opening uh like paragraph of it, and it is very much like um much much more sounds like Gavin than I was expecting a biography to. Because yeah. uh, usually, like, y- usually nonfiction, there's not traditionally as much style. I mean, there still is, but, yeah. you, know, you know, like...
0: There is a lot of his voice in in this book. Um, I will continue to lobby for it until uh, I get my way. In the meantime, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture... Go to certainpov.com. dot com. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, Support us at patreon.com slash panelology. Get merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch, or send us questions, comments, or whatever at panelology mailbag at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag. I'm Alex and I'm
1: Angela Bones Bullock.
0: Go read comics. certainpov.com.